This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And Newcastle have been on a spending spree, ladies and gentlemen. Three new signings to talk about today after last week when we only had the two players in, Chris Wood and Kieran Trippier. Five signings overall for January and over £90 million spent. Makes a bit of a change. That's about £90 million more than last year. <laughs> yep. And the year before. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you've seen this, listeners, but just in case you did miss it or weren't paying attention to Deadline Day or you've uh, given up on Sky and their yellow ties and their gym whites. Or you have a life and didn't follow it like some form of stalker. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> the new signings are Bruno Gimarej from Lyon, Matt Target, on loan from Aston Villa, and Dan Byrne from Brighton. So I guess we'll start with Bruno Gimaraes. Is that because he's the most exciting one? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm quite pleased with the others, uh, as we'll get to. But yeah, Bruno Gimaraes signed from Leon for £40 million. 24-year-old Brazil international midfielder who I can't say I've actually seen him play listeners. Um, I don't really watch much of Leon, and by that I mean I watch no Leon. Or French football, whatsoever. No, it's but... quite one-sided, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, but they are a good team, and they've actually got quite an exciting young um, development squad by the looks of it. There's been some, some good players that just seem to be breaking through, so hopefully this defensive mid will really help the back four. If nothing else, just giving them a little bit of confidence, just having that other player who's very defensive-minded, providing a little bit of protection and just someone else to pass to other than just the flat back four and the goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, everyone who talks about him who does watch French football uh, been reading lots of opinions and, and listening to opinions from various sort of journalists and other sort of pundits who, who are very familiar with him and with what he does for Brazil and for Leon. Everyone is really excited by this guy, so I therefore am very excited as well, as you said. We needed some of that steel in midfield. Isaac Hayden's injured at the moment, and it's from the sounds of it, he's very much an upgrade on Isaac Hayden anyway. On top of the defensive side of things, with you know tackling and intercepting, just you know winning back possession all over the pitch, pressing opponents. It also sounds like actually you know he's he's got that sort of box to box element to him. He he, he will look to get forward. Apparently, he, 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 you know, he, he gets in the final third. He does actually cre- uh, create a load of chances, completes lots of passes. It'd be nice to see someone being able to pass and support the individuals like Sam Maximam and I uh, know that type of um, attacking power. I say that in inverted commas sometimes. But the attacking <laughs> power of Newcastle just... Because I do feel that a lot of Newcastle's chances come from individual moments. Uh, maybe a little bit of luck every now and then, but... To actually have someone who is competent and a good at passing, competent—is that that was the right word? Yeah, um, and good at passing might be something that 
opens up a little bit for, for some more players who don't have maybe the, the individual special something that 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 people like Almiron and and some maximum have just creating a couple more chances will be nice yeah i mean i think i think that is something that we really needed in midfield as well as i said with the defensive side because lord knows that defense needs as much protection as it can get but yeah creativity in midfield is not something we have a huge amount of outside of John Joe Shelby. And as we've spoken about many a time with John Joe Shelby, A, obviously that's usually coming from deep, uh, which is fine. But, you know, it, that's kind of really just from that one area of the pitch where he does it from. Uh, and B, it's whether he can actually be asked to turn up. I, I don't know. He's played well recently. I'm not trying to have a dig at Shelby. Um, but all that plus a guy who's going to do the running that Shelby doesn't do, because yeah. that is something we can always have a dig at Shelby for. Um, yeah, a really exciting player and I'm really looking forward to seeing him in action and definitely along with Trippier, I think, um, certainly like he, he he's the biggest injection of quality that we've signed in this window. Um, but to be fair, as I said, Matt Target on loan until the end of the season from Aston Villa. I think he's a, a decent acquisition. Like I said, it's, it's only for the next few months. Is there is there room to buy him at the end of the season? Um, I believe that isn't formally included. Obviously, it could still happen if he does well, um, but I, I don't believe there's like any sort of clauses in the deal, mm. uh, you know, in that loan. But um, Villa, of course, just signed uh, Lucas Dean, so Target wasn't their first choice anymore. So I can kind of see why he was up for, uh, you know, moving on. And, yeah, and we said we said before as well, loans are probably going to be the best way to get players who, who um, probably wouldn't move during the January transfer window in. And as you say, because Villa have obviously signed someone as well, it is the perfect opportunity for uh, targeting. Yeah, I think I think it would be interesting. Obviously, Matt Ritchie, we can wipe the sweat off his brow at the moment, <laughs> not having to play in that position. But yeah, I think it'd be good. It'd be good. Yeah, well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like, he's not probably, he, he's probably not going to come up and pull up any trees. But he doesn't need to to be a big upgrade on Richie, who's been being forced to play out of position for so long. Target, you know, he's a solid enough Premier League left back, and frankly, that still represents a pretty significant <laughs> yeah, improvement on what we had. And then, you know, I, I said I think he's a, he's a decent enough player. I mean, he only last season he was um, Aston Villa's uh, players player of the year, so his teammates obviously regarded him very well as well. So. It'd be interesting I think to see he's a solid enough back. acquisition, yeah. yeah. Um, and then to complete our improvements across the back line, so we've almost three new defenders. It's almost like Newcastle's right. defence was shite. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, much much needed uh, improvement here. I mean, we were linked with um, Sven Botman and Diego Carlos and some of these other sort of big names for big money. I think Sevilla wanted a lot of money. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear about that player who signed for Shrewsbury? For five pounds? No. Okay. Right, we'll continue this and I'll tell you who Shrewsbury is. <laughs> in Shrewsbury, it's a smaller town than Shrewsbury. But we'll continue with this stuff. And then it's just reminded me about the amazing signing of this team. So I'll get, I am listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but Dan, Dan Byrne uh, from Brighton, £13 million. Pounds. And I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a big bastard. <laughs> Six foot seven, he is enormous. Mm. So I watched uh, Newcastle. At home to Brighton, a few. This is pre-pandemic, listeners. You may well 
if you're like me, you might have tried to exercise it from your brain. It was a dreadful nil-nil. But I was there at St. James's Park for that match. And even then, he, like, he really, his size, he really stood out. But left-footed centre-back, and he can play at left-back as well. Hopefully, we won't necessarily need him to do that much because otherwise that means that target's either really not working out or has got injured. So hopefully, he'll be playing in the centre. But yeah, big, big defender. He's been part of a very solid Brighton defence in recent years. I mean, they've only conceded 23 goals this season, which is one of the better records in the league. And we're his hometown club as well, which uh, is at least a, maybe a, a little bit of romance in and amongst all the uh, Saudi nonsense. He's going to be really useful in your set piece as well, just just by his pure physical height. Um, he's going to be intimidating in the air to a lot of um, other players during corners, never mind free kicks and, and the like. So to have that presence might, might be really, really um, open another avenue for Newcastle during set pieces, because I do feel that Newcastle maybe don't make the most of those moments. Mm. Uh, and it's just another another avenue, isn't it, for a potential goal or just some mayhem, just just literally causing yeah. some mayhem in the box. Just having a big fucker in the box. Well, yeah. <laughs> what is with you in your potty mouth today? Um, <laughs> you started yeah. with shite, though. I said shite. Pandora's box has been shite. open now. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, it is not the signing, and it was the Shrewsbury, sorry. It was, oh no, it was, it was Shrewsbury's pub team, Oh, yes, I did hear about that. Uh, Shropshire Sunday League side for £5. But he Roberto Carlos. Yeah. For a five, a raffle ticket. Come on, Newcastle. What the fuck? You have enough money to buy all those bloody tickets. Come on. Imagine. Sort yourselves out. Imagine. You're rocking up to a Sunday League match. You're hungover. You're tired. You're probably going to, yeah. You're probably, you're, I mean... We've we've all seen that. And then you look, at, <laughs> and then you look who's, who's up against on the other team, and you see Roberto Carlos. Why not? I mean, I would I wouldn't stand in that wall in front of that free kick. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> God, he'd take your head off, wouldn't he? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm not I'm not dissing Sundays, Sunday teams, but like, yeah, you can hit the ball, but it's very different when a professional kicks the ball at you. That's gonna that's going to break people's hands, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be a riot trying Some to... Some people are going to be an octave higher if they're in that wall. Just trying to tr- Three trade octaves. shirts with him. Oh, my God, yeah. It's a <laughs> but, anyway, sorry. So you missed out on a trick there, clearly. Raffle. Yeah. No, no Roberto Carlos, I'm afraid of him. That's so. such a great deal, isn't it? That's such a good idea. It's cool, isn't it? Well, is it great? And, and, you know, props to... I know this is a Newcastle, right, but props to Carlos for um, even being involved in this. Uh, yeah, I think... Um, Annie Aluko as well. Of course, she only retired a couple of years ago. And I think she's going to uh, to play for another Sunday League team that haven't won this season. So she's kind of coming in as a bit of a ringer for them. So <laughs> get the ball to her. She'll bang a few goals in for you. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, to suffer. I mean, to be fair, he's going to get hacked to death, isn't he? I think, I think there'll be too much respect for him. I think, I'm I think, sorry. Well, well, this is this is a Sunday league. Yeah, but this is Roberto Carlos. Yeah, the, man's, can, can, the man's a World Cup. I'm winner. sorry, you're telling me you're not going to go for Roberto Carlos to say that you've tackled. No, I, I, I think they'll be trying to like nutmeg him or something like that. I don't think they'll be trying to like crunch him or anything. But <laughs> good luck to him. That's all I can say. <laughs> it'll, it'll aim for him in the wall. Oh, no, I'm going to shoot from... Oh, look, he's, he's point-blank in front of me. I shouldn't shoot. Oh, we have to talk his head off. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
back to, back to Newcastle, though, anyway, listeners. Um, I think overall, I'm pretty pretty pleased with the business we've done. I think we could have done with another attacking player. Obviously, there was a lot of talk about Jesse Lingard. There was uh, talk about uh, Hugo Ekitike, who's another uh, league-based league, uh, player. Um, that unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to to get over the line. Um, but overall, yeah, I think it was a strong window for us where we upgraded a lot of key areas that we did need to, especially at the back, which, as we've known, has been our uh, Achilles heel all season. Yeah, it's always going to be a difficult window, January. Um, and yeah, Newcastle were in a desperate position. Arguably, they still are. But, you know, it, it's good. Good to see. Yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah, between the position we're in, obviously the fact that the takeover obviously is extremely public, so everyone knows that we have all this money to play with now. And then, we, I mean, we saw with, with the Jesse Lingard thing, I mean, Man United reportedly wanted £12 million loan fee. That's no, just Man United being a twat, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, this is this for a player... Well, I mean, that would be incredibly excessive anyway, but for a six-month loan... And for a player who's in the last six months of his contract and will be available for free this summer is absolutely bonkers. And you know what? Although I think Lingard would have been a decent acquisition, you know, good on the club for not giving into that because as desperate as we are in one in one sense, once you start giving into that stuff, you're, you're going to get rinsed on every transfer. Yeah, I don't actually think that the Magpies have done too badly on on the pricing that they've managed. But yeah, 90 million is a lot of money, but... Across five not, players, that's not too bad. No, like, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying if you take it in, in context for, for five players, and, and yeah, there, there's a load, um, but I think it's still quite a good business. Well, They're yeah, always going to be four players, not including the world. Yeah, you're always going to be charged a little bit extra feel in January anyway because yeah. of the desperation um, that, that transfers in January tend to imply. Not that, that Newcastle needed any implication on their desperation. I mean, we laugh, but it is true. No, it's, um, it is. <laughs> and yeah, you didn't cave into Lingard. That would have been really stupid on multiple levels, and I think it's insulting from Man United. You just clearly don't want to. It's insulting to Lingard as well. I, I feel bad for him because he's, he's not, not going to play for the next six months. Like, yeah. I mean, not that we can really talk about it for legal reasons, listeners. Perhaps the Mason Greenwood situation maybe frees up a bit more space not really. for the other attacking players in the squad to get some more game time. Um, but, yeah, really, from what we've seen so far this season, Lingard isn't going to get a lot of game time. He would have been a key player for Newcastle, especially if he had the kind of impact that he was able to have at West Ham. So it's, it's a shame for him. I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to us getting him on a free transfer this summer, to be honest. No, I, I think he's a good player. He does require a team to play around him a little bit, you know, to change their tactics in a way, because he, he isn't the right player for Man United and how they play at the moment. And he was perfect in, in his previous loan. And oh, we, we, I can see Newcastle doing exactly the same thing and working around Lingard to make him involved because he would be, especially now that Will sets out, he would be one of the main people that you can get to score a goal. And I think he would have been perfect. So hopefully, fingers crossed, free transfer. Because I can't see Man United behind him again and I can't really see Lingard wanting I'd, to stay there I'd be surprised if he signed a new deal yeah I, 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 and I would agree with him completely it's a bloody waste of time for him go somewhere else because he, he's got talent 
and he's just not been allowed to show it for the past couple of years with Man United, to be honest. Yeah. And I don't think they're ever going to give him the opportunity at this point. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and in, I think in terms of Man United and, and the way, you know, their sort of demands and stuff, I think that's something that we also are probably going to see a bit more of in the years to come. I think pre-takeover, I think they would have had a handoff to take Lingard off the hands. Um, a, sort of a little bit like they were with West Ham to to an extent. Um, I think that yeah, with United, I and I think them and the other sort of your big six type sides, I think they would all be quite happy to see us get relegated because we are potentially not guaranteed, but we are potentially a future rival in that sort of top third of the table, potentially battling out for. Champions League football and you know top four places and what have you. If we do get relegated, it buys them at a minimum. It buys them at least an extra year of not having to worry about us as a potential rival. Um, so I I think it's I mean not that the big six teams you know never do business with each other, but yeah I, I think I think they'll all be quite happy if we do happen to be among those who who go down. Really. That said, I do. I did want to add one thing, though. Oh, the caveat, the depression caveat of Newcastle fans. Uh, no, it's not even that. I just, I think it's <laughs> worth remembering, uh, listeners, and for those of uh, who are going to obviously be absolutely primed to criticise Newcastle at every turn. Which I'm not even saying. I, I, I can, I, mm-hmm. I can understand why, because I said I've made my feelings on the Saudis a million times. Um, you know, that's I think that's very clear to everyone. So I, I'm not even saying that I don't understand why people might might be feeling like that. But I do think it's worth remembering that, like, yes, obviously we've had Chelsea, we've had Man City, who've had you know they've had the big takeover, they've had the huge cash injection, and of course that's massively, absolutely transformed the entire club and their fortunes, and that could absolutely happen to Newcastle. But I do think it's also worth pointing out that just because we have money now doesn't necessarily guarantee that we are going to become, in the immediate future anyway, a Chelsea, a Man City, a rival to United and Liverpool and all the others at the top of the table because I just want to point out Everton, who we'll be talking uh, about uh, shortly anyway because they're who we, we face next. They've spent over £500 million on players since they were taken over by Farhad Mashiri in 2016. So, you know, in, in literally like a sort of five and a half year period, uh, you know, they've had managers like Carlo Ancelotti, you know, won the Champions League three times. They've had Rafa Benitez, who's won the Champions League, etc. and so on. And obviously, Rafa was a slightly different case because of his, his past loop and all the rest of it. But, you know, they've got absolutely nowhere for that amount of money. They're, they're still not, you know, well, this season, they've, you know, on the verge of being dragged into the relegation battle with us, but it's not even like it's guaranteed them seventh every year. You know what I mean? They've they've been proper still up and down in that mid table. There's definitely something wrong in the background region. of Everton at, at this point. Yeah, they can't just be the players. There's definitely something in the actual makeup of Everton. I I, yeah, I, I don't think... see that in this Newcastle team at this point in time. It seems that the the, the managerial team that is is going around. Um, in Newcastle seems to actually be pretty good. You've seen how Newcastle have reacted um, under the under this new manager, and I think they have improved. So at this point in time, 
I can see new players being added is only going to strengthen it. Obviously, if there is a massive conflict between players with these new individuals coming in or there's just no, they're just not clicking or for whatever reason, yeah, that's something to see. But I don't think you have to worry that it's going to be another Everton curse. It I'm, seems positive at this point. In oh, time. no, I'm not, I'm not saying it from like a worry or even a pessimism point of view. I think it, it just shows the importance of, obviously, money is hugely important in football. Of course it is these days. Uh, and obviously that is one piece of the puzzle. But I think it, it, it's a reminder that you have to get the other half of it right, which is the running of the club. I'm the, being intelligent about who you, you're playing, yeah. Exactly. And as I say, I think, so on, on current evidence so far, despite the fact that, you know, we don't have a sporting director or any of these other things that hopefully maybe, you know, have that get that better structure behind the scenes that maybe we didn't have before. I think we've made five pretty shrewd acquisitions. I said we've got some... Genuine top quality in, in Trippier and, and and hopefully Gimbaresh from the sounds of it, and then again just some solid, just some solid players who who still improve our squad and well and improve our first team with Target Wood and Burns. So, and what's it going to be like you having backups? Oh, I'm sure. Come the next game, we're all going to be injured. Come the next game, we'll literally pick up three or four injuries and move yeah, back to square yeah. one. Um, I also just wanted to say because again, I know. In the coming weeks, you know, if we don't beat Everton or something, I mean, I said we already saw in the Cambridge one about the, you know, Newcastle also in the paychecks don't win football matches when we signed one player for twelve million at that point. Um, <laughs> you know, just kind of it's all, this is almost aimed at them, but I'm, I just want to. It's just something I feel I need to say is like, yeah, like obviously the Saudi takeover gives us a lot more pulling power than we would have had before. Obviously, we'll we'll be enticing these players with much higher wages than we would have paid before. Obviously, that is the case. But for anyone who's like, oh my God, Newcastle, yeah, like immediately like spent spending spree, you know, splurging all the cash. I do want to remind everyone that the main reason that we are actually able to spend £90 million in January, which obviously is, is a lot more than, you know, you normally would, uh, without even obviously funding it by, by selling anyone else, is because of how negligent we were in the transfer market under Mike Ashley. That's why, at the moment, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of of FFP because we basically have like 15 years of spending almost to catch up on, if that kind of makes sense. I know it doesn't work exactly like that, but I think you probably Not take me that. Like, if you actually do some form of maths and actual thinking, guys, four players, 90 million, it's just over 22 million a player. That's in this market, that's... That, that's not that expensive. I know, obviously, it's not just £22 million a player because some are less and some are more. But that's your average. I don't actually think that's being stupid with money. No, and to be honest, again, if, if Bruno Gimares is as good as everyone says he is and if he, if he can have that kind of impact uh, at Newcastle, then A, then he'll hopefully be more worth the £40 million than Joe Winston's been. Uh, since they've cost roughly, they seem to be costing roughly the same. Harsh, poor Jolinton's playing. Now. Oh no! Hey, look, at the moment, I I love Jolinton, but he's still got some way to go to be to prove <laughs> that he was to justify that price tag. Um, yeah, but I, again, if he if he's as good as everyone says he is, then any other club would have had to pay the same fee, and it's not just like us again getting rinsed because clubs know we can afford it. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'm very much hoping that we'll be able to see him in action 
when we play Everton on the 8th of February, which is our next game. It'll be Frank Lampard's first Premier League game in charge of Everton. This he just always got happens. Confirmed. This always happens to Newcastle. <laughs> I wish we could have faced them two weeks ago. Is that, it's a team that you think, yeah, do you know what? Newcastle should get a result here. And they're like, bam, there goes the manager. Here comes a new manager. My new manager bounce. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully not. It's. I hope that we can certainly make it uh, a very tricky first game for Lampard um, and the Toffees. It's, it's, it's hard to know what to expect from them because I, I feel like Frank Lampard despite the fact that he's been at Chelsea, which obviously is a huge job, I feel like we still don't necessarily know that much about him as a manager and how good he may or may not be because, of course, he had the season at Derby. He did quite well. They lost in the playoffs. By pure virtue of the fact that he's Frank Lampard, he was then given the Chelsea job, which obviously he hadn't earned from a coaching point of view. You know, Even though he did an all right job, at his time at Derby. He did an all right job in his first season at Chelsea under the transfer ban. Then obviously it went wrong for him in the second season. And then that was it. So we don't really know how good a manager he's going to be. Hopefully, for our point of view, he doesn't have the same impact that Gerard has had. And, it, and just because he feels like Stephen Gerard just is always going to be the comparison point for Frank Lampard, even stretching that's that narrative all the way since they were back to uh, being England teammates. But like, Hopefully, at least from our point of view, not that I wish Everton ill, but just for at least the first game anyway. <laughs> we need we need to obviously keep picking up these results. I know we're, in fact, actually, we're only four points off Everton now. That's how much they've been on a slide. Mm. Think how bad, obviously, we've been now. Poor, our, poor our results have been. We've only had one win. I mean, that really puts it in perspective, doesn't it, how bad they've been. And to I'm, be fair, as much as I love Rafa, like... Yeah, but you've only won one game. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, to be honest, well, we're in probably the closest thing we've had to form all season. And by that, I mean, we won our last game and drew the previous two. <laughs> even though, actually, we should have won the previous one. In fact, we, in fact, we should have won all three. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like, we're only four points behind if we win. And that is obviously still a huge, huge if at this point. Any victory from Newcastle is. But if we were to, we'd only be one point behind they are right in it then. Yeah. Whereas, again, if they if they win, they get that bit of breathing room and they probably go on and be fine. I'm we sure they probably will be fine anyway. It's like a <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. It's hard to know too much of what to expect. Obviously, we've got a week now to bed in our new signings. Um, so, hopefully, we see at least a few of them, maybe not all of them. But it's it should hopefully be a bit of a new look Newcastle team when we next play and obviously I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all of them but Gimmeres in particular and we've actually got some good stats to talk about from historic stats on Newcastle versus Everton which is also fairly positive which then obviously means you're going to lose like five more now <laughs> yeah probably but um, yeah. yeah Frank Lampard with the perfect first Premier League game smashes Newcastle yeah um, <laughs> Everton safe now um yeah, no, we, I, I looked at our recent record as I, as I do with these little previews, and for once, I was actually pleasantly surprised that it wasn't it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't awful. I mean, we've actually won our last two games against Everton. Uh, actually, of our last six meetings with them, we've only lost one of them. Now, obviously, we need to be piling wins on the board, so I'm, you know, with draws, especially considering we'll be at home in this game, 
draw still isn't really good enough, to be honest. Um, but, you know, it's somewhat encouraging in terms of, you know, our recent recent meetings with them. So I'm very much hoping uh, that we can go ahead and, and really kick on and, and get three points. Then, then we really will have a little bit, bit of momentum over the recent games and, you know, potentially start getting out of the relegation zone. Obviously, it's going to be a difficult one to predict and it it really could go either way. It kind of depends which Everton turn up and what kind of impact Lampard can have and, and likewise, what kind of impact our new signings can have. It, it's Well, I'm trying to find it's it's really how are these new signings going to affect Newcastle's new calendar for next year? Because <laughs> every year, Chris gets a calendar from my nan on the Newcastle team. But none of them, none of them are photogenic. <laughs> and really, I the, the most important question I have at this point of time is, the next year's Newcastle calendar going to be half decent enough to be able to have up on a wall and not just stuffed away into your, into your office? Uh, well, I will show you and you can judge for yourself. Uh, because I, it's just purely because I don't, I can't, I can't keep telling my nan that I hang it up and use it every day because I don't. Thank you, nan. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, you're not a big fan of looking at the Newcastle calendar. No, they're not that attractive. <laughs> it's not even that. They just always have weird pictures of them. It is the worst footballing. Well, I say worst footballing calendar. I have no other footballing calendars to compare it to. But they have some weird pictures. He may as well. I've just one just full of Phil Jones. I think that would be a good player. <laughs> just Phil Jones. Just every month. I'm just just gurning into the camera. <laughs> Bless him. He's a good player. But yeah, <laughs> the poor bloke. I bet we all have stupid faces when we're doing any form of sport. But Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel bad actually for Phil Jones because he, unfortunately, like, you know, I think he's a decent player. I think he probably went to Man United too early and Fergie certainly overhyped him after they uh, purchased him. I think he could have had like probably uh, a much better career, or, or certainly been much more well regarded. And then, unfortunately, kind of he's just become this sort of meme character, not helped by yeah the the, the sort of faces he pulls. Uh, yeah, I do. I do feel I, I do think a bit a bad solid for him. Defender, to be fair, I, I, I can see him almost being a bit like a Johnny Evans, going over stuff somewhere else and actually having quite a good career, being really. Well loved by another team, but you know, Man United, Man United, isn't it? And there we have it. So the answer is no, <laughs> none at all. All right, well, there's your answer, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, because the Everton game is on a Tuesday night, and normally we record on a, either a Monday or a Tuesday night for pub, uh, for it to be published on a Wednesday. A little peek behind the curtain for you, there, listeners. It's not going to fit in with our normal schedule next week. So we still need to work it out. The podcast uh, is either going to be late or we will have a week off, depending on when we can kind of squeeze in uh, a little recording session between that game. And then I think we play whoever it is that we play, possibly Man City, (laughs) but whoever it is that we play uh, the following Sunday. So... Uh, yeah, at the moment we don't actually know listeners, so I apologise for that. But yeah, uh, look out for us either yeah later next week, or we will see you after 
both of our next two games and then we'll have both of them to look back on, hopefully, with some positive news. In the meantime, though, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that would be absolutely fantastic. And this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thank you, Cara. No problem. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.